five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Walmart disclosed that they've been driving around in driverless trucks for a while in Arkansas, and now they're working on around New Orleans. Fully driverless trucks, you know, which you don't hear too much about on public roads driving around. You know, and uh, I have a I have a link here to the company they're working with. It's called Gatlick, and you can't really see the truck, but it's a little, you know, cargo truck, air conditioned. Here it is on public streets. But the real trick of this is that they're going the same route every day, over and over, multiple times a day, seven times a day. Yeah, take two. Multiple times a day, look, it's driving away, you know, and it just has to go back and forth, which is like kind of like a streetcar. I mean, you know, or it's on tracks. I mean, it's not on tracks. It has to it has to manage its way around. But at least it's not trying to navigate to my house some days where no GPS will find it um, or, you know, wandering around back streets with lots of pedestrians. It's on big streets. No pedestrians, backs it up to the to the loading dock, fills up, goes to the Walmart store or the uh, now Walmart is doing some customer pickup locations, um, but also can drop off at the store and let the and so so they basically can fill the fill the shipments in an in an automated warehouse rather than having, uh, you know, Walmart employees running around the store with with shopping carts trying to figure out who ordered what and where it is and whether it's in stock or not. So it makes a lot of sense. I'm always in, I'm always intrigued by how the low-hanging fruit gets picked by the by the smart people, you know. It's like, yeah, we want to we want home delivery of groceries, but mm, you know, there's a lot of steps involved. Let's take an easy step. Let's not try to deliver it to the home. Let's try to move it from the warehouse in an efficient way over to some place where the customers can get it. What an idea. Automate the the curbside pickup seven times a day. And there you go. Okay, I think that was really a clever, clever story. So now let's close that and get over to the... And that's about what it's about. Okay, so then this was an interesting, much more interesting article than I expected by Joe Mondesi. Mondesi. Okay, um, you know it, it didn't sound like much. Their WaveMaker is renaming their IS department or IT department uh, MIS, but not Management Information Systems, but rather Marketing Intelligence. And science. Now, some might suggest, with marketing's emphasis on emotion and uh, creativity, that this is an impossibility and an oxymoron. I might agree. <laughs> My experience in an ad agency was they didn't want to measure, they didn't want to work with data, and they wanted to win awards. But Delphine and I'm gonna. I've just reached out to her on LinkedIn, uh, uh, and interesting because the Delphic oracles, if you remember, they they could predict the future. But it seems to me, a lot of mo almost no one listened to them. 
I've felt, had that feeling sometimes myself. She is the new chief data and analytics officer at WaveMaker, okay? And she said, I started thinking about what our clients were asking. People have asked me, how many data scientists do you have? Which is a kind of a loose term. You know, I've called myself a data scientist when it was in vogue um, because spoken riddles okay even if it was telling you the few yeah it was hard to understand and that is exactly what what marketing intelligence is <laughs> we predict the future but no matter how it comes out we probably think we we succeeded uh and the weatherman uh so she says that we need to transform data into intelligence also not an, a trivial thing to do um but data, this is the part I really like. Data doesn't mean anything unless it informs intelligence. And this is a drum I've been beating since the, the, the late 80s when we really started using computers in marketing. Yes, I predate computers in marketing. I actually gave the first talk at the New York Hilton uh, where I asked to hook up a computer for a marketing presentation. They said, why would you ever want to hook a computer up for a presentation, right? Anyway, so anyway, she was at uh, Amazon, Publicist, Dentsu, Facebook, and Microsoft, and had never had the word science in her title, right? Because, you know, there isn't a certification and all that. Although scientists, you know, the breakthrough scientists have almost never been the certified ones. They've been the ones causing the trouble. Anyway, so she's been trying to build an organization that utilizes science, machine learning, AI, and whatever comes next. And I would highly urge that you think about what science means and the scientific method. And think about the idea of testing because your, your, your puzzle that you've, that you've asked to solve or been asked to solve is a more sophisticated, which of course pre-1900 meant to adulterate by overcomplication, but let's not go with that. You want something that takes data without encroaching on consumer privacy, but leads to better intelligence and outcomes for your clients. And I would highly suggest all of you who want to know how to turn data into intelligence, or even better, data into money, that you give my little book a a glance. It's an executive summary. It's not a hard read, but it does get at the very foundational principles of what you have to do to turn data into money and on the way intelligence. And it's building a heuristic system. In my seminal article on the definition of direct marketing explains the connection between testing and of course to make testing work you need engagement. So the better the engagement, the better the testing, provided you can get a high number of samples. And for that, direct marketing is uniquely, or direct mail is uniquely positioned because we can mail enough to get a good sample set, right? And we not only know who buys, all advertising can track the buyers, we know who engages and doesn't buy. And that's the missing piece for, for machine learning and AI. So I, I hope that we connect with WaveMaker and maybe she'll get a kick out of the solutions that are, that are tried and true and don't require cookies and lots of spying on people. But I really did, I really did like that article.
Are you noticing more holiday catalogs this year? You're not alone, according to Keypoint Intelligence. Catalog volumes went down between 2007 and 2018, but according to and according to Associated Press, a lot of people stopped sending catalogs entirely due to the recession. But catalog volumes are coming back, according to this Keypoint study. Now, in you know, it, full disclosure, um, the author here is Christine. I think her name is. Let's see, if I got that right. Christine Dunn is a consulting editor of Keypoint Intelligence Officers Technology Services Group. So she's she is writing about her own company's study, you know. So we have to take it with a grain of salt. But a really nice case study here, because what happened is she got an Amazon catalog. She said first she did a study among her peers at the office and asked if they were getting more catalogs. That's called a convenience sample. It sounds much more scientific if you say, and so I, I uh, evaluated a convenience sample. That means your friends and family and anybody you happen to happen against. Now, that doesn't mean it's invalid. You know, when I started working for Cabela's, I went around to sporting goods stores and I said to people, have you ever heard of Cabela's? And this was before they had retail chains everywhere. They were only a catalog company at the time. Or maybe they had the one store in Sydney, Nebraska. But anyway, in Wisconsin, you know, and and I probably just asked that question, have you heard of Cabela's? And the answer I got almost 40 out of 40 times was, I used to get their catalog. And it turned out, and this is in my book, actually, it turned out that they had a very rigid RFM, that's Recency Frequency Monetary, structure to the way they selected their customers. And Dick Cabela personally told me, that their number one complaint was, why do you send me all these fishing catalogs? Or, why do you send me all these hunting catalogs? And it had to do with the way they did their RFM. Again, <laughs> get my book, Spinning Straw of Gold, or write me, you know, maybe I'll be nice and send you one. Uh, it's 20 bucks if I get if I sign it. <laughs> but I do have one or two laying around here today. So, uh that convenience sample of the 40 people was key and instrumental in our building our first real machine learning model for Cabela's. And they told me they made $2.4 million in profit on that one drop because of our modeling. And it was scarier than anything because basically nobody had done that as far as I know in the history of mankind. Anyway, but she got an Amazon catalog and she tweeted about its arrival at their home and Amazon picked up on the tweet. Somebody at Amazon reads the tweets that mention Amazon and sent her a note and asked her for to go over to the Amazon website and which they already have your phone number, but add your Twitter handle and uh, there'll be a little surprise. And a couple days later, this came in the mail. Uh, this is that snowman from Frozen. I don't forget the name. My kids were, were long out of high school when Frozen came out, but my niece likes Frozen, or used to a couple of years ago, but she's grown up now. She probably doesn't. Anyway, and so there's some gifts for the kids. Notice these are physical items. These are sent to her, special for her tweet. And so the point is that she engaged with the catalog. She tweeted about the catalog. Amazon picked up on it, sent her more stuff. She says she's not sure if she got the catalog because of the number of purchases with Amazon or because uh, 
she tweeted about it, but those two somehow con- combined to get Amazon's attention. And most of the time, retailers and catalog companies aren't paying attention, right? And if they're paying attention, they don't have a system set up to reward or thank customers. Now here, not only is she giving you word of mouth advertising about Amazon, but she's multiplying it in an article about catalogs, okay? And basically saying, elevate your connection with your customers, right? You may think that pounding them to death with email or going to SMS or or going to banner ads because now you have their address will endear them to you. But a beautiful catalog, and, you know, I've criticized Amazon's catalog, but, you know, it's all designed to drive engagement. But it would be nice to know maybe ballpark prices or something before I hand it to my kids. Anyway, they're pretty clever that way. Anyway, so printers can think about different ways to interact with your current customers and prospects. And that is the was the real was the real emphasis between integrated marketing, the idea of communicating differently with your customers of different value. Because half your customers will only buy once in direct marketing. In, in the catalog industry, you know, maybe in retail, it's better than that because your store is right there and there's a drive time factor. But in the millions and millions and millions of customers I've seen in customer files, about 50 or 60 percent only about once. So. So you you have to be careful what you spend on millions of catalogs, who only, millions of customers who only bought once. If you send them a dollar catalog, you've spent millions, and what's the potential for response? And that was the whole impetus between the machine learning, is to try to figure out which of the catalogs, which of the customers who only bought once, haven't bought lately, didn't spend much, are worth, are worth re-engaging with. So it makes perfect sense for catalog companies to have robust email programs and banner ad programs and other things for those almost worthless customers that will probably never come back. <laughs> but it's also worthwhile for them to give you a call sometime. And with Cabela's, we help them implement the huge <laughs> knock-you-over-the-head catalog that included everything that they've ever <laughs> promoted. And it was a huge hit. And customers would call saying, my neighbor got one. Why didn't I get one? It's because you didn't buy anything. You, you know. But now you will. <laughs> Because you elevated yourself, okay? And here's some things that you can do to increase engagement with your customers. And the bottom line is that you should. You should have different methods of contact. I'm not a big fan of trying to pro- of trying to say that you've guessed what we're going to buy. You've guessed what I'm going to need next. That's baloney. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. But you can reward me for my past pre- purchases and try to encourage future purchases. You know, give me deals, give me samples, sample of the month club, or uh, preferred customer test club, or lots of things. There's so many things you can do. So anyway, Christine, thank you for your, <clears throat> especially for your case study, and uh, I appreciate that catalogs are supposedly on the rise. That's what this bad graph. You should have. If you were going to talk about catalogs, you should have done a separate graph for catalogs and don't use go to zero, but show the differential. 
because then it would have gone like this. And that's another factor, portrayal of data for Delphine. Have a great day. Like and share. Thanks for the comments. Bye-bye.